in a congregation. Let me just put it that way. Uh, there's, there's the church as a whole, as the body of Christ. And um, we know that the church as a whole, as the body of Christ, is in transition. There's constant molding. There's constant things that are happening. But there's what God calls the local body. And that is the, the small or whatever size churches those are in those communities. And each one of those specific places has a mandate, has an assignment, has a vision that God has given for that specific community and what they're supposed to do. Um, I wasn't here last Sunday. I had a, my eye was swollen, had a really bad eye infection. And of course, I was like, okay, uh, I always look at things spiritual too. Like, okay, what is this attacking the, my eye and why can't I see clearly and all this? And I just begin to realize that sometimes our vision is skewed, blurry. It's infected by things that the world brings from outside. And then we're constantly coming up with our own vision, per se. And um, so God really spoke to me, and I, and I began to pray, and I, I said, okay, Lord, I need to really dive into this. What is it that you want to do? I had no idea what Pastor Doug was preaching about. had no idea, but I heard he spoke on vision, too. That's kind of weird that we both were having like this same thing about vision. Holy Spirit was just pouring out and showing me what was going on. And then I was getting this revelation about what vision is. And so, you know, I, I went back to scriptures that I, I preached so many sermons. I would say I've preached over 3,000 sermons since I began preaching. And just preaching and preaching and preaching. And I've, I've touched this, this same scripture over probably about once or twice. But I never really looked at it the way I looked at it now. Have you, has that ever happened to you? You go back to a scripture and you're like, oh, oh. And you just see it in a whole different way, right? Well, that happened to me in Habakkuk chapter, one, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. So I'm sitting there and in, 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 in reading this scripture, um, and I begin to understand what was going on in the mind of the prophet this very moment in time. And so in, in verse 1, he's saying, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will look forth to see what he will speak, and he is God, with me. And what I shall answer, and what he shall answer concerning my complaint. Okay? So we know that Habakkuk is having an, a, a situation. He's asking God about that situation. He's bringing it before God. Now he's set up on top of the tower. Now, if you don't know the olden days, they had a wall, and that tower was set up for security so they can see before the enemy comes. So it's funny that he takes the security spot to see what, before the enemy comes so he can sit there and pray and ask God. And he said, I will wait there till God answers me. Amen. And verse two, it says, and Jehovah answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain. Write the vision, make it plain upon tablets that he may run 
that readeth it. I'm going to put this in the, uh, in the easy English version, and I'll read that to you again. And the Lord replied to me, and he said, write down what I showed to you. Make it very clear on a page where you write it. Then the runner can tell people all about it. You like that? You know, it's funny, the patience and determination of Habakkuk to be set like a security guard waiting to hear God's voice. He was waiting for God to answer. Now, here's the funny thing. We think waiting has to do with the chronos, time here. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with your determination, how willing you are to wait. So the minute that you engage in going into waiting, you see, he didn't wait sitting down in nowhere. He waited doing a job. He waited doing something. What was he doing? He was acting as security that day. He went into the place of, of, of the tower so he can look to see where the enemy was coming from. He took the position of the night watch. He took the position of seeing to see before the enemy comes up. So he took that position while he was waiting for God. So understanding, he was not only engaging in, in, in waiting, he was engaging in intercessory warfare also. He was also engaging in the prophetic to see, to see beyond his very point, his very perspective. So he went to a high place to look beyond the very thing that he was at. Because if you stay stuck within the walls, all you see is the walls. You can never see growth. You can never see more further out there. You can never see what's out there. You can never see if there's more. So you stay stuck in four walls. You will constantly be looking at the four walls. Then you become complacent. Complacency is worse than doing nothing. And I'm going to tell you why complacency is worse than doing nothing. Because you get into what they call a routine and then you just make it to church as a social club. So you punch your card in, you say, hi, how you doing? And you leave and you did your good deed for the Sunday. But that is not what God called us to do. He never called us to become complacent, to become, to get used to the glory. You see, this is what happened to the children of Israel. They got used to the fire by night, the cloud by day. They got used to the, the bread coming down every day. They got used to getting all of these things, and, and, and they didn't understand that the glory was evident with them. And you see, if they were more excited about the glory, maybe all of them would have made it into the new, the, the new promised land. But because they were not excited about the glory that was with them, they were just complacent. They all died in a desert. You see, what happens, and what I believe is, is that sometimes we just skirt by. We just, we just let things just happen. And what we see with the prophet here, he's willing to hear God's voice no matter what God is, is going to say. So he's it, like, I'm waiting for God's answer. Whether that answer is good or whether that answer is going to make me uncomfortable, I'm still waiting for that answer. Whether that answer is going to push me beyond my limits. And believe me, when God answers you, it is always something that's going to push you beyond your limits. When God tells you to do something, it is always going to be something that's going to require faith to do it. When God tells you to move and do something, it's always going to require a part of you to die. Especially the comfortable part. 
Because God is in the uncomfortable business. He does not sell mattresses. How I know he does not sell mattresses? Because Jesus told the man who was crippled, pick up your mattress and go home. Made him walk with his mattress. God is not in the comfortable business. He is in the uncomfortable business. And what I mean by that is that whatever makes you comfortable, God will make you uncomfortable just so you can do his will. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, oh, no, no, not me. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Lord Jesus. You see, there, sometimes things happen in and around your, your circumstances that are happening. Sometimes those circumstances are not there to try to destroy you. They're there to push you to where you need to go. So sometimes some of these things that happen in life, we decide and we attribute them to the devil. Well, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil's attacking me, the devil's attacking. You know, I had a, a, an old uh, preacher guy, he said, you know, the devil's sitting somewhere in the other part of the world going, why do they keep blaming me for things I have nothing to do with? Sometimes those things are in your life to push you to where you need to be. That makes sense? Sometimes a financial situation will come up in your life maybe so you can open a business. Maybe you could, so you could take some drastic measures and say, I'm tired of this. I'm deciding to do this. I'm no longer going to go around in a routine and become regular Joe just doing it day by day, anytime, and have someone controlling when or when I don't receive prosperity. And you decide, and then some financial crisis comes that goes and pushes you to become an entrepreneur. This has happened. Right? So th- there's circumstances in life that can either, and I, and I like to do it this way, I like to put it this way, circumstances in life, they can either take you down and you can become a part of that circumstance and become a victim to that circumstance, or you can take that circumstance, use it as a stepping stone, climb to the highest tower, look forth and say, you know what, I'm going to wait on God because I know he has a word and it's for me now, and as long as I know what God is saying to me, I know my assignment, I'm pushing forward, I'm going to see it, and I'm going to do it. That's vision. That is what vision is. Okay? Now, I, I, I know that God has a full package benefit plan for each and every one of us. I know this. Why? Because the Word says it. Because the benefits are really good. Right? So, if He has a full package, are we willing to take His full will with the package. It's funny because we always want the good stuff. Right? How many, uh, how many here, I don't know what kind of, uh, of, of juice you like or what kind of uh, bottled water you like or whatever. There's a process to each and every one of those things you like. You know? We live in a westernized society where everything is just quick, Right? So we want everything done very quick. So we're sitting at a restaurant. If we're waiting 25, 30 minutes for our food, we get upset. We're, we're just like that. But it depends on what kind of food they're bringing out to you. Depends on how you want your steak well done, medium rare. Depends. And they're going to tell you, if you want it well done, it's going to take a little bit of time in the kitchen. 
if you want us to cook this thing up nice. See, we're, we, we like to skip process. And thus, we lose the sensitivity to what it takes to actually get that good thing coming to us. So what I'm trying to say here is that Habakkuk understood that there was a process. And he said, God, I'm going to enjoy the process as much as I'm going to enjoy the word that is coming to me. And because he was willing to endure process, God gave him a word quick. The Bible says that he responded. As soon as, as, soon as he gets up there, he goes, I'm willing to wait. If I have to wait five, ten years, I don't care. I'm sitting right here, and I'm going to watch. I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to watch, make sure the enemy does not invade these gates, make sure the enemy does not invade these four walls, make sure the enemy does not get over this ministry, make sure the enemy does not touch our leaders and our leadership, make sure the enemy, I'm going to intercede until I hear God. And during that process, God says, I like this guy. So I'm going to release a word. And then God did not only release a word, he told him and said, now I need you to do something with that word. Write it down and put it in plain Hebrew in that day, I guess. But put it in plain English. Make it very clear. Here is what it is. Here's the vision. Write it down. Why? Because there are people who need to read this and run with it. Now, it's funny. In that word, the runner or the person who reads and runs comes from the same word that is messenger. And that messenger, if you read the Bible over and over again, messengers were sent out from the leaders of those communities out to other leaders. Messengers were even sent out to enemies so they can announce to the enemy what was going to happen. <laughs> and it's funny because sometimes the messenger was taking a risk whether the enemy was going to kill him or not. So the messenger was sent forth with a message and he would stand in front of that king probably shaking and say, uh, they said to tell you they're going to kill all of you. <laughs> Tomorrow, and had to run from there because if not, they would kill him. But the messenger sort of had diplomatic immunity because he was able to go into the enemy's camp and announce a message and leave the enemy's camp at camp unscathed. Isn't that something? And he would bring back a message, and then the, 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 the king would tell him, well, tell a message to him. And he would bring back that message to him, and he was going back and forth with the message. But the message had to be plain, and it had to be clear. It had to be concise. We see what happened with the young man who tried to bring the message to David when he was running with Saul and Jonathan, and Saul and Jonathan had gotten killed, and he thought, maybe if I just change up what happened and say that I killed them, I will get some kudos with David. But when he got in on there and he told David the wrong message, he got his head cut off. You see, if you don't have the right message behind what you're going to say, the enemy will take your head off. Let me put it this way. It's hard to hit a moving target. I'll repeat that again. It is hard to hit a moving target. You know, um, I stopped watching the NFL last year because my team was just horrible. But 
Rifle still watches his team. I don't know why, but he still does. Green Bay Packers. They're pretty good. There's something about, there's something about the team. There's something about teamwork. Right? There's something about it. So, so I don't know if you know all the behind the scenes, but, you know, if you watch any behind the scenes of what's going on, they usually have what they call plays. So the coach will get there and say, okay, these are going to be the plays we're going to play today. And they usually watch the other team on, uh, on a little TV screen, watch some of the plays that they did, and then they try to counter those plays with plays that they got ready there. So basically what you have is the defensive line which will be the one that, that, that is throwing the ball. And then you have the offensive line, which will be the ones that are going to try to take down the, offensive, the defensive line so they can take that ball away. So let's just put it this way. The wall is the intercessors, and that's the defensive line, okay? The visionary will be Pastor Doug, and he's sitting there. He's the quarterback, okay? But guess what? There's always a running back, there's always somebody that the quarterback, because if the quarterback, and it happens in a lot of games, that the quarterback is like, I can't find anybody. I can't find anybody to throw this ball to. And they try to run through the line. Sometimes they will get hurt because they're not as big as the line defensemen, right? They're not as big as them, right? So, you know, some of them are, you know, pretty muscular, but they're very tall, and some of them are very skinny. If they get hit by a 300-pounder, I guarantee it's going to hurt. So it is the job of the defensive line, the defense line, to stop whatever's coming in. So like that, he has enough time, the quarterback has enough time to throw the ball out to the running back so he can make the touchdown. Does that make sense? It is the same in the church. It is the same here in Harvest Renewal Church. We need the intercessors. We need the prayer warriors in the defensive line so the leadership can throw out that ball so the messengers, the, ap- the apostle, the, the, the prophet, and the pastor, and the, and the teacher, and the evangelist can go out with that ball and make the touchdowns that is needed. Wow, everybody's excited for football now. Why is it that it's so hard for us to see vision? You know, if there's a running back, running back there, if he doesn't look back a couple of times while he's running, he'll miss the ball. You will miss it. If you're not looking at what leadership is doing, if you're not taking the day, anything that has two visions is called division or division. You cannot have two visions in one house. There has to be one specific vision. There can be many ministries with different missions, but there has to be one vision. And that vision has to be carried in every single one of those people there because they are the messengers, they are the runners of that vision. So it becomes the job, it becomes not only the leader's job, to have the vision, to throw it, to make it plain, and make sure that he hits the, the running back. But it becomes us, the people in the house, need to start running with the vision. And everywhere we go, we need to announce it. Everywhere we go. You know, I noticed here, and I'm going, I'm going to touch up on, on Harvest Renewal Church, but I'll also touch up on many other churches. But here, here, here's the thing. All across the line, 
I've seen people get so excited about outside ministries. We get so excited, right? No, duly noted. I mean, there's a lot of good ministries out there. I get excited when I see, you know, Katie will tell me stories and things that happen. And, you know, we get excited about other people's ministries. But we hardly get excited about our own, about what's going on right here, about what God is doing right here, about testimonies that God has right here. We, we, we need to start getting excited about what's already in the house. Luke 15 says that the woman looked for the coin. Now, she could have said, I lost the coin outside of the house. She did not look for the coin outside of the house. She looked for the coin inside of the house. And when she found it, she invited everybody to the house to celebrate in the house over the coin that she found in the house. The parable there is that we need to start recognizing the gifts in the house, celebrate the gifts in the house, honor the gifts in the house, and invite everybody from outside to come see the gifts that are in the house. That is true vision running. If you want to run with a vision, then you're excited about the vision that's being produced. What is being produced here? Well, we know, we, we know the vision, and we made it very clear, okay? So the mission, our mission, is reaching the next generation. We know that. Nurturing and valuing family. We know that. Discipling and releasing kingdom leaders. We know that. Lights in dark places. Church planting and missions. That's mission. That sets up for the vision. What's the vision? Our vision is to carry a move of God for Richmond and beyond as we love God, love others, and embrace his kingdom. That is the vision. So here's the thing. Are we excited about carrying a move of God throughout all of Richmond and even beyond Richmond? Can we carry a move of God beyond Richmond? Can we carry a move of God beyond these four walls? And then we love God and we love others and we embrace his kingdom. You must embrace the mission and the vision to be effective messengers of it. You cannot be an effective runner if you have not embraced the mission and the vision. Now, is the leadership perfect? No. You go out there and try to find a perfect leadership and I'll give you I, I don't know, I can't bet with you, but I'll give you $100 if you find one perfect leader. No matter how much glitz and glamour is in front of that ministry, you get behind the scenes and you'll see a lot of mess just like anywhere else. Why? Because we're imperfect people making ourselves perfect daily in Christ Jesus. The only perfect one is Christ. Once the, once the church becomes Christ-centered, we're no longer looking at people and trying to measure whether or not the ministry will make it because of the leadership. We're now measuring it by Jesus and by Christ, the perfect one, and now we know that the ministry will make it because now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Measuring ministries by leadership will always fail. Measuring ministries by Christ will always win. Why? Because we'll put Christ first and we'll say, God, wherever he doesn't have the grace, bring somebody in with the grace so they can do that. And what I love about this ministry is that we've learned to employ our weaknesses. 
Doug is a true leader because wherever he's weak at, he's employed his weaknesses. He's brought other people in to fill in those areas wherever you are. That is called real five-fold ministry. Because I can't do everything. Pastor Doug can't do everything. Pastor Rifle can't do everything. Pastor Artev can't do everything. Wherever they, whatever they can't do, there's always somebody else who can do it. And that is the beauty of the body. That is the beauty of the body operating together as one. The problem is, is that when the eye tries to tell the ear how to work. If you're an eye, continue being an eye. The ear cannot tell the eye how to work because the ear listens, the eye sees. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 explains that in detail. We cannot try to, to put in ourselves. See, know your grace, know your place, and walk it out. Know your grace and know your place and walk it out. I, I, have, I have no intention of trying to be anything that Doug is because Doug is more of a pastor than I'll ever be. And I have no intention of trying to be a teacher like Rifle is because I have no intention of being that because I know my grace, I know my place, and I know exactly what my assignment is, and I know what I'm running with. I've grabbed the vision, and I'm running with it. Amen? Harvest Renewal Global Network is me grabbing the vision right here where it says we're here to take a move of God for Richmond and beyond. I decided we're going to take this beyond Richmond, and I said Harvest Renewal Global will raise up leaders and teachers so we can take a move of God beyond in Panama, in Ecuador, in Guatemala, in different places, even here in Richmond. This is running with the vision. Implementing what is already said and bringing it forth, running with it, making sure that we're carrying it. The problem that we have sometimes, you see, you ever heard that, that saying, and I watch a lot of sports movies, there's, there's no I in team, you know? <laughs> when we try to showboat, or when we try to say, this is mine, and this is whatever, whatever, and then we, we, we grab the ball, and we try to be the, you know, the one, that, the sole face of the team, and that does not work. That does not work. Let me just put it this way. Moses was the sole face of his ministry. How did that work out? <laughs> I love Moses. He's the one who said, I, I will not go anywhere Unless you come with us, show me your glory, right? Yeah. Moses, right? A, a, a one-man ministry is a desert ministry. I'm going to say some things today that probably don't, a lot of people don't like it, but I believe that we're in a new move of God. I believe that one-man ministry did work for a season and time here in America. It did. It was, it was to raise up, but also many of them, if you even talk to them, many of them failed because they never raised up their Elisha. And they never imparted what they had to the others. And so they ended up dying with all of that anointing in them, becoming an Elisha who never imparted what he had, and he died with the anointing in his bones. You have many people who did that in the past. And I like 
that now we have this movement, and we call it the apostolic prophetic movement, whatever you want to call it. You can name it, brand it, whatever. I'm going to call it the Jesus movement because what's going on right now is that Jesus, what he did, he got 12, and he said, hey, don't be jealous of the 70 because they're going to do the same thing you're doing. Hey, 70, don't be jealous of the ones talking about me. Hey, are they bothering you? No, let them keep doing it. And he multiplied. He said, go and make disciples. Carry this vision. Why? Because we're called to carry the vision. We're called to carry this vision. Okay? Having walls around the, the ministry, the visionary. We need to have intercession around the leadership. And I think that's necessary. We need to constantly pray. We need to be intentional about intercessory prayer. Those walls are there so you can see the enemy before, they, before he enters the city. You have this prophetic sense, and you understand what's going on, and you can see further out there. You can see where we're going. Okay? Honest truth. People, we do not want to stay in this building. We do not want to stay in this building. You want to see revival, have a growth of God. Could you imagine trying to grow in here? You can't. You're stuck. We do not want to stay here. We want to move to a bigger building so we can grow. We can bring people in and say, hey, come on. We're going to equip, engage, and we're going to get you ready. Go, 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 go. We want to have that anointing. We want to raise up people so they can go out. We want to go ahead and spread out this anointing. Amen? Amen? That's why we're moving with Life Assembly, because we, we believe that as we move with them and engage with them, and we open up and launch this new site, God is going to release something new in the West End, and then we'll go to the North End, and we'll go to the East End, and we'll go to the South End. Amen? We're, we're going to do whatever it takes to break forth this vision. Am I the only one who thinks like this? Am I the only one excited about this? Should we all be excited about it? Yes. We like to compare ourselves. You know, 1 Corinthians 10 or 2 Corinthians 10 says, do not compare yourself with anyone else. That is foolish. Don't compare yourselves with anyone else. Now, you might be able to grab some good things from that ministry and grab on good things. Also, it is also foolish to try to compete. Okay? You don't have to compete. That's a Rachel and Leah spirit. You don't need that. Because eventually one of you will die, and you'll have nothing to show for it. You don't need that. You don't need to compete with any other ministry. There's, there's nothing. We are unique, embodied in a uniqueness. God has raised us up to be unique. How unique are we? That there's no other church like us. We love all the other churches. We'll embrace all the other churches, but God has called us for an individual mandate, an assignment to reach and move Richmond, whether it's through this church, whether it's through that church, whether we plant, whether we raise, whether we do, whether we don't. God has raised us up for that specific assignment. Are we doing it? Are we moving in that assignment? Are you a runner? Or are you a spectator? Because on God honest truth, I do not believe, now this is just me, I do not believe that God called any spectators into the kingdom. 
I don't recall Jesus telling any of the disciples that he called to him, saying, hey, guys, uh, you, I like Peter, but you, you're going to have to just, just sit back and be a spectator. No. Each and every one of them had a mandate. Each and every one of them were told to go out and make disciples. Each and every one of them had the same exact mandate from God to carry the vision. Some of, them, some of them did more than others. And some of them said, you know what? I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to move this way. I'm going to do this way. You know why I believe there's persecution right now? All over the world, there's persecution. I was watching yesterday as the persecuted Christians in all of the Middle East. We sit here comfortable. Western churchology, I call it. We've learned to have a complacent spirit about everything. And whenever we feel as though God moves us, we move our money. This is how it works. We don't ever think about what's really going on in the body itself. But I saw these people just, just running for their lives. You know, I was hearing stories of these little kids from Iraq, how, how they're getting in the car and they're just... Boom, and there's bombs. ISIS is literally bombing their town. As they watch other little kids get their heads cut off for being Christian. This is happening right now. They're running. Syrians, the Christians, the Coptic Christians, the different uh, Jewish Christians that live out in this society. You know where they run to? There, a lot of them are running to Israel. Running to Israel. While we sit here and we say, oh, we're having issues. We're more caught up in the political realm than we are with God. Because if we were really caught up with God, then we'll see God and see him moving his hand over this country. And begin to move in that intercessory prayer. What are we called to do? We're not called to criticize our leadership. We're called to pray for them. So if your Facebook status is saying that you hate Donald Trump and that you got to take it down because your job is to pray for him, no matter how bad you think he is, no matter how much you think he's going through this or whatever, everyone is called to something. And if he's called to lead this country, let, lift him up in prayer and let God deal with the rest. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not called into politics, although uh, my wife is. And so she has a mandate in that political realm. That is her calling. Amen? And if you want to find out more behind the scenes stuff, then you go to somebody who's been behind the scenes and actually has the calling for it. Then you can make a decisive decision. Don't sit there and watch the world. The world will make up stuff. See, this is the problem with the church. We're too much watching the world and trying to imitate them to attract people. That's not how it works. We imitate God. He attracts people. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto you. Amen? Somebody tell the children's church we're going over about five minutes.
Why is this necessary? Why am I saying this to us as, the, as a body today? And you know, sometimes the enemy would not allow everyone to hear this message. But sometimes God would not allow everyone to hear this message because not everyone's a runner. We have been inundated with consumerism in our Western society. This is why I can travel to Africa and see people walking with flip-flops to church in the mud, five, six miles, while we have a car with air conditioner come up with excuses why we shouldn't make it to church. Why? Because we are a consumer society. Matter of fact, we have so many Christian channels, we could switch off anybody who's speaking the truth at any given moment and say, I don't like what he's saying, I'm going to the next channel. This guy sounds better than him. He looks better than him. He's skinnier than him. He has a nice smile. I'm going to watch him instead. We're consumers. And we've taken the body of Christ, unfortunately, we have taken this message of the gospel as a consumer message. And I am not a consumer. I am a blood-washed, born-again Christian who has decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back for me. What about you? When I read the vision that God said, go, I said, I'm going. When God says, stop, I'll stop. Otherwise, in that, we are to continue going. Let me read this. Mary and Joseph had to run with the vision. (laughs) Mary had a vision in her, and she said, I'm going to have to carry this thing with me until it's fully grown and birthed. And when her and Joseph finally got it, Joseph did not see it. Did not see it yet. Joseph did not get until an angel visited him and told him, take her as your wife and protect her. Then he saw, he said, oh man, this this stuff is real. This is for real. And when Jesus is born, an angel appears to Joseph again. Now he's the visionary. Now he is the visionary because God already implanted in Mary. He doesn't need to talk to Mary anymore. He goes to the husband, the head of the household, and he says, I'm going to talk to you. Here's what you need to do. That little baby's about to get killed if you stay here. Run. Take the vision and run. Where did he go? To the enemy's camp in Egypt. And Jesus was raised there for a little while of his life in Egypt. Why did God send Jesus to Egypt? It was sort of like a backwards thing, like undoing all of the works of Satan. 1 John, where he says that he came to undo all the works of Satan. Remember slavery in Egypt? So it looked like Jesus had to step his feet where slaves were and where they were born so he could say, no more will they be slaves. Then Jesus is brought back. The vision is brought back once the enemy, Herod, dies. He's brought back into Israel. 
until, until a certain time where the vision is released. Now, there's visionaries who are going forth carrying a plain message, who is John the Baptist, and he begins to tell people of a man who is coming after him, who will carry the weight of the world, who will take the sin on, who is the Lamb of God. And next thing you know, he sees his cousin walking down, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And he announces the vision. The messenger becomes now the visionary, and he becomes. And then he passes the baton to Jesus. He anoints him, and Jesus becomes now the king of the vision, and he begins to grab disciples so they can be visionaries. This is an amazing thing, and I think that if we continue this process, there is nothing more better than a model that Jesus is representing. Go and make disciples. Mark 16, 15, and Jesus said to them, go to all people everywhere in the world, tell God's good news to everyone. He didn't say discriminate. You don't tell it to whoever you want. He says, tell it to everyone that you meet. Amen? We ought to be messengers of the vision. Are we messengers of the vision of this house? Then we plant into the vision. Then we become part of the vision. Then we become uh, carriers of the vision. And we ourselves become visionaries. The only way to have a vision is to be a part of a vision. I'll repeat it again. The only way to have a vision is to be a part of a vision. You know, we have a ministry Last Day's Voice Ministries, and we, lo we love to travel. But this, this past year, the Lord told me and said, put that to the side and focus on harvest. Focus on harvest. And I said, God, I'm going to focus on this vision, what we need to do, and we're going to push it forward. I'm believing that 2020 actually is prophetic for pure vision, clear vision, 2020 vision. Well, I'm believing, God, that by 2020, amen, we will have built up our building fund. We'll be ready to walk into a building and say, you know what, this is going to be something. And we'll be able to take this building and use it for funds and, and, and use it to rent out and become totally independent in God so we can have funds coming into the kingdom so we can continue growing and spreading out this word and this message. I believe that. Do you? Let's stand to our feet. In verse 3, he tells you, I will show you, and what I show you is for a time, a proper time. And that time will come. And then he says something that might sound discouraging, but he says, although it might take a little longer and what you thought, but the time has come. Fourteen years this ministry has been in operation, and I believe that God is shifting us to have a different viewpoint, shifting us to the tower to begin to look out and see bigger and better. If you just look around the four walls, you get complacent, you get discouraged. But if you climb up to the tower and see beyond the four walls, God will begin to encourage you. 
he will begin to encourage you of the greatness that there is. And I don't know how many of you are some of the fivefold ministry that we that we 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 need to just launch. Amen. I know this is a launching pad, but there has to be pillars in the launching pad holding the launching pad up. Can't just have everybody just moving. Amen. We're called also to be pillars of that launching pad. So what in what area how can you carry this vision? Maybe you should start asking God the question like, God, how can I start carrying this vision? First and foremost, I'm going to challenge each and every one of you. I'm going to challenge you. Bring someone to church. Anyone. From work, your next door neighbor. Try to grab somebody. Invite them to church. Bring somebody. Pay for somebody's lunch you don't even know. Give them a car to Harvest Renewal and say, hey, come to Harvest Renewal on Sunday. Do something radical. Carry the vision of the church. What is God doing in this church? He's healing. Miracles, signs, and wonders are happening right under our nose, but we're too complacent, too comfortable to go out and say the good news. God is doing some amazing things here. Can you grab those amazing things that God has done? Let's not be cynical and say, well, you know, yeah... Uh, No. Am I a half glass full guy or am I the the glass is half empty guy? I I need to get that in my spirit right now because I need to understand who I am and I'm called to bring good news. I'm called to bring good news. I'm not called to bring bad news. I'm called to bring good news. So if I'm called to bring good news, what is the good news that God is doing? Let's get that in our spirit. I want to be one of the running backs. My younger days, that was, you know, my dream job. Running with the vision. How many runners do I have here today? Lift your hand up if you're a runner. And I'm not speaking, I'm speaking spiritually, please. I know that some of you do not run a day in your life. Are you willing to grab onto the vision? And look towards the goal. Not in what's chasing you. Not in how many enemies are around, but run towards the goal. And make sure that you're running at a pace that will lead you to where you need to go. Are you reading the vision? Are you running with it? He who reads may run. He who reads may run. So today, I charge you, run with the vision. Run with it in your hands. Don't let the enemy stop you. You have diplomatic immunity to run into the enemy's camp and take the vision with you. You can announce the vision in the enemy's camp and not be killed.
as long as you keep running. I love it. A runner, listen to this. During the Revolutionary War, they would announce when the Redcoats were coming. It's a very, Paul Revere is a very uh, popular story. You get on that horse, man, he'd go right through the town. <laughs> Redcoats are coming! I mean, he wouldn't stop, man. He's going through the town because you got to make it to the next one and let them know that the, that, that the enemy's coming, right? Well, this is the same way God wants you to announce his word. Going through and letting people know that God is real. That Jesus came, died, resurrected, and is coming again. We have the authority, the mandate of God to run with the vision. Amen? Amen? Lift up your hands. Come on. Jesus. Ha. Father, we thank you for the download of clear vision today. We are becoming runners. We are runners. We are runners. We are messengers of this vision. We are ambassadors called to speak about the vision, the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord of God, that we will bring a move to Richmond and beyond. We thank you, Lord of God, that we are visionaries of the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you that there is an increase in Harvest Renewal Church. There is an increase in Harvest Renewal Global. There is an increase of God in everything that we're doing, in every single ministry. Father, we speak life to every ministry. We speak life, oh God, to the groups, oh God, to life groups. We speak life, oh God, to the school of ministry. We speak life to the youth ministry. We speak life, oh God, to every every single ministry, to the children's ministry, oh God. We speak life, oh God, to the worship ministry. We speak life, oh God, into every single ministry, audio-visual ministry. We speak life in Jesus' name. Let us become runners and let us not grow weary. I just heard that in my spirit. Let us not grow weary of running with the vision. Come on, Jesus. Ah, sakaraba sokara, sekarebo kama sokoreba ki araba sotere de debe shataraba ke daraba sa. Sokorema sekarenda la sokorema shataraba ki aranda la basohi. Oraba sokere karanda la ba shataraba ki God is empowering this body. They become movers and shakers. Movers and shakers. <laughs> I just go along with that word that Jamie said. Jamie, come up here. Let me pray for you. Come on, Jesus. And anyone else who needs prayer, we're going to call the prayer team up. Anyone else who needs prayer, you just feel as though. But I also want to impart vision into visionaries. So if you feel as though, okay, I want to be a, a part of the vision and I want to run with this vision, you could come up to. But just to let you know, that scripture that you heard, Jamie, don't go up and pray yet, wait. That scripture that you heard in Acts 4.30, I believe it is, where they said, and they prayed again, and this is during the time of persecution, 
And it said the ground shook, and then they got up with boldness to preach the word of God. You see, Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 and gave them a sense of revelation. But there was a shaking that needed to happen to shake off all the chains of fear to bring them to a place of boldness so they can become real messengers of the gospel. So, Father, we just release that over Jamie's life too. The boldness, the shaking, the shaking, the shaking off all fear and become a bold minister of the gospel, a bold messenger of the vision to roll forth in Jesus' name, to run with the vision, to be a runner and to bring forth a God, the anointing. Father, we just say that he is anointed. He is anointed in the healing gifts. He is anointed, God, to lay hands and see miracles, signs, and wonders. So right now we release, oh God, into his life, oh God, the vision, oh God, to run and run and run. Boldness. Boldness. I decree it right now over your life. Boldness like never before. Boldness like never before in Jesus' mighty name. We release it right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just, right now, we release, release, release. In Jesus' mighty name. There is a mandate on both of you <laughs> to teach the perspective of the Hebrews. And that is to bring people to a light. It's not so much messianic, but it's a, it's a way of teaching people how to see things through the different eye sets, different perspective. Revelation. Revelation. Father, we thank you. We thank you for revelation. We thank you, Lord of God, for many visits to Israel and many visits back and forth, Lord. But as they bring forth, that people will begin to see things. They'll see things differently, Lord, through the eye set you have given them. Father, we just thank you. We release into their lives, Lord, to see and to carry vision, to be movers and shakers, movers and shakers of the vision, movers and shakers. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we just release this congregation each and every person who is listening to my voice, even on YouTube. Father, we release them to be runners. Run. Run. Run with the vision. Run. Scream it loud. Speak it out. Run with the vision. We release, oh God, your people to be carriers of the vision of this house in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.